1: And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new bumble now. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity,
0: join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markeia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. A new moon coincides with fresh starts and rebirth, but a full moon can leave an opening for evil to find its way into our lives. If you don't listen to those who warn you, then you may end up facing dire consequences. First, Mother Nature Knows Best. Followed by New Friends Come With Killer Baggage. Then, don't ignore the signs. Finally, in our featured story, a new house isn't always an empty house. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at snarl.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Heed the warnings. Camping is a wonderful way to be one with nature. But it's important to remember that Mother Nature isn't always gentle. Like in this story inspired by Seneca. Anika and Yusuf always spent their wedding anniversary camping in a national forest. Their love of the wilderness and falling asleep under the stars kept them constantly seeking new outdoor adventures. On their sixth wedding anniversary, Yusef surprised Anika with a week-long trip to Zambe River in the Himalayan forest. He specifically planned this trip because every full moon, when the light hits the trees near the river, they illuminate and look like dancing bodies. Yusef and Anika were excited to hike, swim, and commune with nature. On their first night, The couple cooked dinner over the campfire, danced under the stars, and slept in a canopy right above the forest floor. The following day, as they bathed in the river, an old man with yellow eyes and rotten teeth appeared from the trees. He angrily approached Yusuf and Anika and yelled at them. "'Get
0: out of my river.
1: You need to leave, or there will be dire consequences.' Yusuf scoffed and angrily retorted, This is a national park, and the land is open to everyone. We have every right to be here. The old man gave him a menacing look, shaking his head as he turned and walked away, disappearing into the trees. It gave Anika quite the scare. Yusuf scowled, Don't let that crazy old man get to you but she couldn't shake an ominous feeling. That night, she couldn't sleep and kept feeling that something or someone was watching her. As she looked around the pitch black forest, she saw two red beady eyes staring at her. Terrified, she shook Yusef awake, but by the time he roused, the red eyes were gone. She laid awake till morning. The following morning, Anika packed her bag and told Yusef she was ready to leave. She had a bad feeling about this place and that old creepy man. Yusef begged her to stay just one more night as it was the true full moon and he wanted her to witness the trees under the moonlight. Anika agreed, but made him promise that they would immediately leave the next dawn. That evening, as the sun set, They had just run out of clean water, so Yusuf gathered some from the river to boil. As they both sat under the trees drinking tea, Yusuf noticed the trees beginning to glow. The full moon was peeking through the clouds and shining its light down upon them. Suddenly, they both felt compelled to stand up and sway, dance to a music only they could hear. It lasted for what seemed like Hours upon hours, their feet were bloody and sore. They were drenched in sweat, yet they could not stop dancing. Anika cried with exhaustion. It felt like she had no control over her body. Yusef attempted to hold her still, but they both continued to move, limbs refusing to take a break. As the light of the full moon grew stronger, and the night became older, Anika noticed a flower laying in Yusuf's hair. When she tried to remove it, she realized it was blooming from his head. She saw then mushroom spores sprouting from under his skin. Before she could scream, Yusuf twisted in an unnatural way, his bones breaking and his skin ripping apart as he slowly merged with the forest around him. Tears ran down her eyes as she watched her lover turn into a tree, swaying in the moonlight. Suddenly, the voice of the old man from earlier cut through her thoughts. He explained that all of the surrounding trees by this river were once people. Zambe River was really a zombie river, turning anyone who drinks this water into an unwilling vessel, merging them with nature. He had warned them to leave, but they didn't listen, and now it was too late. Anika begged him to help, but there was nothing he could do. He motioned for her to stand closer to the tree that was once Yusef. As she held it, her skin ripped apart, turning to bark. And there she remains, forever entangled in the branches of Yusef. Thank you so much Sanika, for inspiring this zombie meets camping tale for us. Listener, have you ever bathed in the light of a full moon? Did you feel different afterwards bathing in that moonlight? And by that I mean standing under the light of the full moon and letting it soak into your skin. Have you experienced anything
0: supernatural?
1: Making new friends can be difficult. Sometimes it's even more difficult to be rid of them. Like in this story inspired by Gabriel. Gabriel was used to starting at a different school each year. Being an army brat, he had gotten used to being the new kid in town. He looked at every school as a fresh beginning. Within a few weeks, he had already made friends with Li Shen, Bonding over love for anime and gaming made their long waits at the bus stop entertaining and enjoyable. But there was something about his new buddy that made him slightly uncomfortable. He just couldn't put his finger on what. One morning, mid-January, Gabriel waited at the bus stop in what seemed like four inches of snow. Li Shen must have been running late. As Gabriel fixed his eyes down the now white-covered path that his buddy usually came from, a shadow of what looked like a person appeared in the distance. Gabriel raised his hand to wave. The shadow waved back, walking closer towards Gabriel. About 50 yards away, though, it was clear that it wasn't Li Shen. Yet the presence somehow felt familiar. As he looked closer, he realized the shadow wasn't coming into focus. It was staying black and static, more of an entity than a human. Nothing about this was right. Gabriel backed up quickly and turned around desperately looking for a way out. But the only place to go was back to his house or to his right. As he took a few seconds to decide, two more shadows appeared each blocking the only escape routes. He was surrounded. The inky silhouettes were approaching fast. When they were almost at arm's length, he squeezed his eyes closed and began to pray. Suddenly, a hand on his shoulder, his breath hitched as the grip tightened. Then he heard, Are you okay? It was Lixin. Gabriel opened his eyes, seeing only his friend now. He felt, confused, terrified even, and quickly shared what he had seen, but his friend just laughed. The bus arrived and Gabriel headed up first, Li Shen still cracking jokes behind him. Gabriel turned back to his friend before boarding and saw it. The shadow standing behind him, resembling a woman with a hand on his shoulder. Gabriel screamed and fell to the ground, and just like that, the shadow vanished. Too scared to ride the bus, Gabriel raced home. For weeks after, Gabriel had nightmares. His parents thought it was just due to the stress of moving yet again, and he eventually was convinced his mind must have been playing tricks on him. That was until after a particularly long gaming session, Li Xin spent the night. A noise woke Gabriel from his sleep. Just after midnight, he laid in his bed, his eyes opened, adjusting to the room. He saw his friend still asleep on the floor beside him. Then he looked up toward the ceiling. That's when he saw it, a shadow, this time with a white face and ghastly grin, hovered over Gabriel's body. He tried to move but something was pinning him to the bed. He began to sink deeper and deeper into the mattress, his pillows falling over his face. He couldn't catch his breath and he seemed to be paralyzed. Somehow, he managed to scream and his parents rushed into the room. In a flash, everything was back to normal. He was lying flat on his back, his bed practically pristine. How could that be? The only evidence was that he was covered in sweat. His heart was beating out of his chest. Li Shen was by his side, seeming confused and wanting to help. But so was the sinister entity, standing right behind him as if they were part of the same being. Staring at the evil face, the smile splitting the skin it was stretched so tight, Gabriel realized... It was attached to Li Shen, and while he enjoyed his company, he could never cope with being buddies with someone who had the devil always looking over his shoulder. He asked his dad to take his friend home, claiming he was unwell and didn't want him to catch it. As Li Shen packed up his sleeping bag and turned to leave, the shadow remained for just a moment, lingering in the room. As Gabriel's dad called to his friend to jump in the car, the shadow looked back and leered for one last moment. We'll be back, it rasped. You're our friend now, too. Forever. Thank you so much, Gabriel, for inspiring this terrifying shadow-stalking tale for us. Have you ever had to get rid of a friend because they were causing you more harm than good? Would you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? Has it ever gotten you into trouble? For centuries, legends and lore have lured victims like a moth to a flame. In modern times, the chance of instant internet fame is even more likely to make us ignore the signs to take caution. Like in this story inspired by Mansi. In 2010, a group of tourists headed to the Indian town of Bangu. They had heard rumors of hauntings and strange, unexplained phenomena and wanted to see for themselves. They of course knew the legend of Princess Ratnavati, and a dark sorcerer named Sengjia. It was alleged he had fallen in love with the princess and tried to woo her with a spell. She rebutted him, spilling a vile potion he had given her over a large boulder, which then rolled over the sorcerer, killing him. But not before he had placed a curse upon the princess and the entire town. Soon after, every single inhabitant was brutally massacred, including Princess Rani Ratnavati. The town never recovered after the tragedy and was abandoned. The tourists were film students and hoping to catch something on camera, create the next Blair Witch RVHS. Even if they didn't see any ghosts and none of them believed anyway. They were hoping to catch enough pseudo-spooky footage to make for a quality mockumentary. Internet fame was a sure thing. The long abandoned fort where the royal family had once presided over was the perfect setting. It had been left to rack and ruin, crumbling apart now only home to the few tigers that roamed in the dark. Upon arrival at the dilapidated building, Arna pulled out one of the cameras and began shooting. Hemat and Tanvik grabbed a mic and the second camera, getting some dialogue whilst Arna concentrated on capturing the atmosphere. She gleefully made sure to get a close-up of a sign, which prohibited visitors from entering the site between the hours of sunset until sunrise. Glancing up at the fading light, they were about to break that rule very soon and they'd be sure to flaunt the fact on camera. The trio made sure they had the correct lighting and rigs, and off they went into the fort. Hemat, the narrator, immediately commented on how cold it was inside, making a show of chattering his teeth for the film. They spent the next couple of hours getting stock footage, but nothing that would win them any awards. And that was when Tanvik turned to ask Arna something about his camera setting when he noticed she was gone. Just checking on Arna, he relayed to Himat, who was busy as always perfecting his shocked look. As Tanvik went deeper into the ruins, calling out to his colleague, he was concerned that she wasn't replying and that she seemed to have just vanished. He was about to head back to Himat when he stumbled, There was something on the ground, something large and solid. It was pretty dark now and he was using the light of the camera to see. When he cast the beam down to see what debris had caused him to trip, he let out a gasp, bile immediately rising up into his mouth. Arna was slumped against the wall, her throat gaping in an unnatural smile as blood oozed out at an alarming rate. He bent down to try to stem the flow, but it was already too late. She was dead. Ah! Screaming, he ran to Hemant, intending to tell him they needed to call the police, but first needed to run back to the safety of their SUV. Reaching the spot he was sure he'd left his friend, he was dismayed and frightened to find it empty. Hemant, he called out. We need to leave. N- now. Suddenly, he felt the temperature plummet, and a sulfurous stench hit his nostrils. Too late, he spun around and saw the person, the creature that had caused the carnage. The spirit of the sorcerer sing Ziyi manifested before him, and he sank to his knees in fear. Please, spare me, he pleaded, but it was no use. The entity swiped at his throat, and he joined his friends in death throes as blood gurgled, spewing from his wound like a fountain. As he sank to the ground, he noticed Hamat, the mic ghoulishly protruding from his twin gash in his neck. Just like that, the trio were dead. The spirit of Jia looked at the bodies. He had cursed this land, and he intended to keep his dark promise. Everyone who stepped foot in the fort after sunset would be massacred. If only the students had heeded the sign, heeded the warning. Instead, they chose the lure of fame and paid the ultimate price. With their lives. Thank you so much, Monzi, for inspiring the twist to this Rani Ratnavati tale. Do you believe in legends and lore, especially those that act as a warning? Would you ignore the signs and head into a place of danger just on the off chance of internet fame? Buying a home can be exciting. For many, it symbolizes the start of a journey. But buyers beware, because houses come with their own histories. Tatum and her girlfriend Carmen had recently moved into a beautiful one-story farmhouse located in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. As soon as they found the property, they knew it was the perfect place to live. There was just one thing. The house had been the site of a horrific mass murder 20 years before. The lawyers had given them the basics. A cult leader had poisoned a bunch of followers who believed they would find paradise by committing suicide. Due to that history, the ladies got the house for a steal. Plus, they didn't believe in spirits or negative vibes. A house was just a house, right? The first incident occurred after Tatum had gotten out of the shower. She looked at the mirror on the medicine cabinet. I see you, was written in the steam. She chuckled uneasily, thinking it was a weird message from her girlfriend. But when she mentioned it to Carmen, she looked confused. That wasn't me. That's creepy, she said. Tatum led her into the bathroom to show her, but the message in the steamy room was gone. Carmen insisted she hadn't even been in there. There were a few other occurrences, phones dropping service, messages on the kitchen whiteboard that were erased when they'd returned to look. One morning, Carmen couldn't find her purse anywhere. Tatum suddenly noticed the bright yellow bag up high on a window ledge. Neither of them could reach it without help. It escalated from there. One afternoon, Tatum was gardening while Carmen made lunch. Suddenly, Tatum sniffed the air, smelling smoke. Then she saw flames licking at the grass, rushing over to douse out the fire. She could make out something burned into the grass. Paradise awaits. That was enough to convince her something strange was going on. Tatum was frightened, but Carmen was more annoyed. This was their house. Nothing was going to make her leave. The internet seemed the most logical place to search for someone that could help. And before long, an older woman called Mina was at the door, armed with a bag of mystical knickknacks. Leaving her to it, the ladies retreated to the kitchen. After an hour or so, they came out to see how the cleansing was going. Mina was nowhere to be found. They walked all through the house, calling to her. Maybe she went outside, suggested Carmen. So they headed out via the back porch, and there they saw the older woman. She was kneeling on the burnt grass and seemed to be fighting against something they couldn't see. Then suddenly, a shape began to manifest in front of their eyes. A form like a person, but shadowy and dark. The robed, shadowy figure had one hand around Mina's throat and seemed to be holding a chalice in the other. At once, they could see it was trying to pour something into the woman's mouth. Carmen ran over, and as she did, the being exploded into a black smoke, leaving the old woman gasping for breath. Inhaling it, Carmen felt nauseous, a gripping pain in her stomach. Tatum barely managed to get both women back into the house when Mina immediately gathered up her belongings. Just before she rushed out of the house, she said, "'Ladies,' This house is cursed. A twisted, evil spirit is entrenched in its foundation. It will not leave unless you have a full exorcism performed. Blessed be, children." Carmen was still in pain, and despite having never believed in such things, immediately asked Tatum to pack up some bags. They were leaving. No way they were staying in that house. Not long after, a for sale sign could be seen in the yard. Carmen and Tatum decided to sell cheap and quickly instead. It would be the next person's problem. And this time, they would be mindful of their next house's spiritual history as well. After all, you truly get what you pay for. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasiewicz. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs